I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? (laughs) Of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. At Dunkin', we're getting ready for sunnier days with our Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. A bright and balanced iced coffee with notes of cocoa, tangy sweetness, and toasted nuts. Made to brighten every day a little more. Soak in the sunshine a little more. And fill every moment with a little more, more. Because we aren't just chasing sunsets anymore. We're counting sunrises too. Do more with Dunkin' Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. Brewed for brighter days. Enjoy a medium for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. What's going on, everybody? It is December 1st, Sunday night, 8.50, 8 alright, we're ish on time, ish on time, over live at C2C Radio, C2C Radio Show.com, and of course, Spreaker.com. The triple threat is complete, that's right, we've got Rob Hefner. Well, hello there. That's right. It, it as sure as the wind blows, Rob is on the on the mic. It's amazing. Oh, he blows. No. Oh, oh damn. Damn. I already started. And that you may have heard. It's Brian Taylor. What's going on? So that's the problem. His jokes always go there. Like always the same. He cuts you to the quick, doesn't he? We could be having a great discussion, and Brian can throw a zinger in there and literally hit you right square in the nuts with it. I don't think he tries. He's always thinking about your nuts. (laughs) Well, I don't think he tries to do it like that. I just think the zingers he does just nails. Think about your nuts. I mean, this is now you're making it talented. (laughs) He's talented. He's talented with your nuts. Wait, what? Rob, Rob's just mad that you know he can't think that fast. Well, half the time during Stand Slam, you guys will throw a comment out there, and it's like, Jesus, I can't keep up. <laughs> well, yeah, that's because you're easy. All we got to do is say something, and you get twisted up. Like, God damn it. Damn it. Give us more material. Uh, they just, they just uh, what do you do? And as you can hear, I'm Stan Grubb. We are live, Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. Man, there's a lot been going on. We got a lot to cover, a lot of things to dive through. Hey, first and foremost, hey, sound the trumpets. Sound, do the ticker tape parade. It's time to celebrate victory. 
NXT finally won a week. Yay! That was two weeks ago. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to trying to get that in there. For all our bobblehead listeners out there in the back, we see you. Hey, how's it going? But, hey, I mean, 916 to 893, what does that actually really mean? What it really means to me is that audience that we keep talking about that we say had been split. Hmm. Well, now you're seeing growth. 916 and 893, that's putting you just under 1.8, which means that average of 1.6 million that we had, that's 200,000 more. So, yeah, could be something good going on here. Well, so for me, you got to wait until you get the ratings for this week. Right. And then because, so the last two weeks have kind of been a little... A little uh, loaded, padded, if you will. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because the main roster's been on there. So you got to see if these numbers, this growth will continue, you know, next week. Yeah, that's uh, really been the the measuring point. I mean, AEW's been, I would say you could, you could say that they've been consistent every week. For the most part, 800,000 at least. Which really isn't bad. And never mind the fact that when they first debuted at a DC, um, which hey, we just happened to be at, I'm just saying, <clears throat> 1.4 million, wasn't it, Brian? Uh, no, I thought it was higher than that. It might be. Uh, not much higher, but a little bit higher than that, I think. I might be underselling it, then. Okay. Cause that, I think the first, like the first week they were both really high, and then they dropped. Uh, well, NXT dropped, and... Uh, AEW fell, you know, fell over the next few weeks a little as it went. Yeah, and as you as you were heading into Survivor Series, you knew that NXT, WWE in general, was pulling out all of the stops. Raw, SmackDown, and, and NXT, all three shows had all three rosters there. So you knew that, and that actually... If you kind of backtrack on that, now I will say NXT is still the more NXT-heavy show. So you had Raw and SmackDown running at points, but it was a lot less than what was taking place on Raw and SmackDown. Still, the amount of talent they had available to them on Wednesday, and again, this is two weeks behind now because we know that the holiday report isn't going to be available probably until Tuesday. Um, But... Even with a stacked show, they still were only able to pull just over nine hundred thousand. Well, I would be true. nervous about that if I was in their shoes. Uh, no, not yet, because again, this is—I mean, what they consider probably the the C show, you know? Right. And I would imagine they're happy with it. I'm sure USA has bought into that and they're not looking but for so much and as long as numbers are there and I'm sure they'll be happy because again you don't know if this factors in however many are taped you know uh, TiVo'd whatever you call it I don't know how those numbers would get factored in mm-hmm. so it, it could be more it could be less who knows so 
I, I do want us to kind of give our, our thoughts or opinions on either, you know, TakeOver or Survivor Series or both, however however we get the time to do it this evening. But what I wanted to know is, did, was there a standout moment for you guys in the build-up to Survivor Series that really, hey, WWE really did this right? Or was there this like, huge moment where they're like, wow, WWE really screwed the pooch here? Um, let's Let's start with Rob doing that. Well, I mean, I thought the initial of them, you know, blowing the walls of the, you know what, NXT coming in and firing the first volley. Um, I think setting it up like that, well, I thought I liked it because it, it was something different, you know, because we've had the Raw versus SmackDown, you know. Mm-hmm. But then for them to come in and, you know, show after show, we're leaving the main roster guy, people on their backs and just laying waste everything. I thought that was good. Um, I thought it was a little heavy towards the end with the whole, all right, we're going to invade, and then, hey, come and be on my team. You know? Like, be on my team. Where right. Triple H was coming in. I, like, to me, that lessened your NXT roster. You know, because then right there, you're saying, all right, my guys are good, but they're not as good as you to get the job done. Does that make sense? Um, but I still like the premise, but I thought the delivery could have been better. So you like the jump off point where they basically had NXT jump in, but you would, that the delivery at least, at least throughout would have been a little bit more consistent. Yeah. Okay. Brian, how about you? When, when you look at the build up to survivor series and what, what they did, was there something that stood out to you as like, this is the major moment or this was a major screw up? Mm, no, I mean, this is not nothing new. I mean, I mean, I think what last year they had NXT and Raw and SmackDown, did they? So, I mean, it's just, it's the same story, but you got to tell it different. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there were a few things that I enjoyed with the buildup, um, you know, the club showing up at NXT and then Balor showing up and, you know, just little things like that. But, I mean, all in all, for me, it wasn't nothing new. Um, you know, it's not like they drew him out of a hat or anything. Um, but, I, I mean, I thought it was solid, I guess. Uh, especially with Baszler. I thought she did fantastic. Her and the NXT women, uh, which was a surprise, I guess. But I don't think there was anything bad. It was just, I mean, it's nothing new in my, you know, in my opinion. And I don't get me wrong. I understand why you have to build this pay-per-view up this way. But right. uh, I don't know. I don't know if you could change it in, in such a way to make it uh, you know interesting to build up yeah it it was I think Shayna Baszler definitely was a standout as far as who whose star grew from this whole build up and delivery um, I, I gotta say as far as what I saw and what I felt was the bigger the biggest success came out of Adam Cole versus da- Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole versus Seth Rollins. Both of those matches were good. Adam Cole against AJ St- AJ Styles. I almost called him AJ Steele. Uh, AJ Styles was really good. I, I thought 
those matches were good, but at the same time, um, and you know, you hear some fans talk about you know fifty fifty booking and would they have done this, would they have done that? But the thing is, like, I didn't, I didn't like the fact that Adam Cole was just beating everybody. Like, I get the build-up for it, but to me it just seemed like, okay, you've got Daniel Bryan, who's a top star, you've got, you know, uh, AJ Styles, you've got Seth Rollins, and, and, you know, say what you want about Seth Rollins and whether or not he should stay off Twitter, because I kind of agree he should. Uh, But when you really look at what, what they did well was they built up Adam Cole and and I would agree with Brian. They they really built up Shayna Baszler well, but they they kind of flopped on the whole delivery with it because these were moments that could have been. First off, I think I would have made them all non-title. I don't know that I would have played that role and put the title on the line each time because it kind of puts Adam Cole in, a, in the role of. To me, it seemed like they were putting him in the role of the good guy. Well, I mean, you're also putting him. You're putting him constantly on his on his you know on the defense mm-hmm. and like you said i liked the matches where it was adam cole versus daniel bryan and i was i liked that feel but then you're right on what i was trying to say with the whole it seemed like you know we went from it kind of seemed like we had three nights a week of nxt yeah you know when we all knew who the raw teams were going to be but, um, you know, how they got there would have been the better story um, and things like that. So, I mean, that's my take on it. Yeah, I mean, there's – to me, what this really showed was what – if they had done it with this much energy and possibly this much access to – um, talent. This showed to me like what an invasion angle truly could have looked like back in the day. Well, I mean, and they have the ability to do that. You know, they have the ability to have the, you know, but it's what I didn't like was they they pitted all three champions against each other. Mm-hmm. You know, where you have instead of having. You know, the champs lead the team. Because you know the belts weren't on the line. You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of like it added a match onto the card, which is fine. And it pitted them all against each other, which is fine. It shows the world that, yes, those of you who didn't know that Adam Cole was on the same level, if not better, than what's already there. Right. You know? um, But... I just thought, you know, we were going to try to work everything in. And then it's like the whole, hey, you used to be NXT, come help us out. You know, that's where I had the issue. Yeah, that whole thing with uh, Kevin Owens and um, I guess to a lesser extent with Seth Rollins, that seemed like it almost put NXT, at least Triple H's perspective of it, it seemed like they were trying to portray him like they were at a weak at a weakness or a uh, at a disadvantage. Right, and that's I didn't what I was trying that. to say earlier. Yeah, you know, it was like out of all the talent you've got in NXT, I mean, because where was Velveteen Dream during this whole thing? Apparently, he's still got a back injury. 
you know. But I mean, all the talent you have at NXT, you don't need, you know, KO. Like KO would have been a better to stand up and say, you know what? Yeah, that was my home, but this is my home now, and I'm going to defend my home. Right. You know, you don't come into my house and play this. You know, that would have been a great storyline for KO instead of we have him sitting there going, oh, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Yeah, they haven't done a very good job of their, their delivery with Kevin Owens since his feud with Shane McMahon. You know, they got him on a hot streak with his feud with Shane. They had it really played up pretty well, and then they, the feud ends, and it's like, well, here's the draft. We don't know what we're going to do next. So we'll see what happens next with him. I feel like I feel like he still has plenty more to offer, and frankly, if, if they continue to under-deliver, which it does seem like they do uh, in these situations, and perhaps we'll see him... Uh, we'll see Kevin Steen after too long. Yeah, I, I could see that. However, I think he'll probably get a stint in NXT. I think now that, you know, again, we anybody that watches NXT knows it's a good show, knows it's a lot better than the Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. And now that you actually have competition, I think uh, that might be the it show to go to. Um, so he may try NXT before he maybe walks away. I feel like when you really look at what some of these guys can deliver, I think I feel like the deck was almost stacked against them before they really got started. Like Kevin Owens, when he debuted, or when Kevin Steen debuted as Kevin Owens, like it was like, wow, they really built him right. But then when you get to a guy like um, Shinsuke Nakamura and Samoa Joe, like, they really didn't... Robert Roode would be another example. They really... They gave him a lot to work with, but they could have done so much more with. And no bigger example is there than, than Shinsuke Nakamura. Because here's a guy... Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross-country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts, and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street, and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. That his star was made. All you had to do, really, was just do what what you would do with a guy like AJ Styles. Just, right. let, him, just let him perform. Right, but then it, he got affected, like, Kevin Owens, to a degree. Um, like, Shinsuke, like you said, Robert Roode. You know, those are examples. Finn Balor, to a point, are ones that just, they went to the main roster. 
Mm-hmm. You know, they came into NXT with with already a lineage. They developed that following and honed their character in NXT. You know, and I and I truly believe that comes from the tutelage and the the management of Triple H saying, you know what, do what you do what you know how to do. You know, because you wouldn't have gotten here if you didn't know how to do it. Right. Um, then they get to the main roster, and you know, even the most dedicated and talented person is treated like you know this is wrestling paint by numbers. You know, here this is what you got to do, and. Shinsuke, although has been okay, I mean, just think what he would have done if they would have taken the, what he could do if they took the reins off and let him be Shinsuke Nakamura Mm -hmm. against Seth Rollins, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, you know, like those people that are there, AJ Styles, I mean, good God, you know, (laughs) the matches we could have had instead of we had, we had. The, per- the perennial nutshot matches, you know? Yeah. Which is, I mean, and, and Brian got got that point in there because it's so imperative to be able to deliver on the top show to go to and the dynamic of what Raw used to be and what they keep trying to hype up for SmackDown, it's that show has changed. That whole process has changed. So... It's no longer a question of, hey, this is your A or B show. Now it's, well, you've got, you got SmackDown, you got Raw, but you're really the the show everybody's watching right now. The the people are paying attention to NXT, and that's where, you know, maybe Finn Balor goes over there, or maybe, um, you know, well, he's Finn, there. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> but what I mean is like maybe you see a guy that goes, like Kevin Owens or or even Cesaro. But I, I think the bigger concern is okay. So how many more people are they going to send there? How many more people are they going to send to NXT? Well, I don't think it's so much how many people are going to get sent to NXT. I think it's going to force the hands of the board of directors. You yeah. know, because you're thinking about yes, Vince has ultimate whatever, but he does have to answer to stockholders. You know, and I think what's going to happen is you're going to see Fox. And you're going to see those people say, wait a minute, this is what people want to see. And this is what's competing against AEW and keeping in the fight. We need more of this. And instead of, you know, hopefully instead of smothering that roster with main event guys so they all get the thing, is they will say, you know what, the writing on the wall is we need to spread Triple H out and then make Raw and SmackDown, the same thing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's ultimately what's going to f- effectively change the course of or whatever. It's going to change what we see at WWE is it's going to take the, the people stepping in and say, you know what, Vince, you had a good run. Yes, you control this. Yes, you control that. But if you want to keep getting money from revenue... <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's really the situation. I mean, because I think I think Brian had a really good point with USA. I mean, they're happy, but they're happy with whatever. You know, they they they're happy to see what they expected would be. You know, maybe they expected six hundred thousand viewers for NXT. 
they see 900, they're like, ah, it's an absolute win. We're great. You know, and then they see 800 or 700, they're like, ah, we're still doing good. Keep going at it. But the reality is. Well, it's a, right. It, it's a time slot they don't have to worry about. Right. Because WWE's made money for them for years. You know, USA doesn't care. They could get on there and have an hour of Vince sitting in a chair going, ah, you know? I would love, and I'm the guy that will always tell you that, no, I don't want to see WWE close up shop or anything, but I would love to see the reaction to if AEW, for example, did um, a special on a Friday night or a Monday night. Not uh, right, not right now, but you know, maybe six months down the road, they're like, "Ah, eh, let's do this, let's do this, let's put a special out there." Oh yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked because, uh, you know, I'm sure, uh, TNT and them want to get back from so many years ago. Yeah, you know, I would not be shocked if they're six months down the line if they're drawing two million people. A year down the line, two million people on Wednesday for them to say, you know what? Let let's do a Clash of Champion type show, yeah, and let's put it on Monday, and let's watch what happens. Yeah, I mean, because I I didn't initially think that Cody was Cody and the guys really Cody Tony and and the Bucks. I never really thought that this was a personal issue for them, but the further we go along and to see the digs between both sides, for whatever reason, it's very personal. Now, I'm not saying it's personal to the point where, you know, Cody is being foolish, because I think he's making super bright decisions. It's just, it's interesting because, you know, all of a sudden we start seeing reports that uh, Bash at the Beach, Super Brawl, um, and... Not War Games, because WWE just filed that trademark, but The Match Beyond and The American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, all now trademarked by AEW and Cody Rhodes. Well, so, the, the Dusty is smart, mm-hmm. because that's his dad. Yeah. And I would not want that in Vince's hands, especially if I'm competing against him. You know, also opens his, yeah. It opens his thing to be able to use that down the road. Yeah. So, because who knows, there might be some great archival footage out there that they have the rights to. Cody does, you know, that they may be putting on a DVD or, you know, or something. One of the things that always interests me when we're looking at, you know, and, and it's, you know, some people call it a war. I don't know that I'd call it a war just yet. Could it be? Absolutely. But right now, I think it's it's still kind of remains to be seen. But what it's interesting to me is to see the fact that there's fans of AEW, there's fans of WWE, and in the middle, there's there's fans that want to watch both, but they're constantly getting berated by either side. And most of it happens on social media where everybody's a tough guy. But there, why can't people just enjoy all of it? Well, um, before you get on that tangent, can we rewind to NXT TakeOver and finish that first? Sure, sure. So when... We're getting further and further away from that one. 
Well, I mean, and I think with with Takeover with Survivor Series, um, you know, we could do ad nauseum match by match, and I think that would be a bit a bit much. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure at this stage of the game, everybody has has probably beaten that to death. But what we certainly will do is talk about uh, we'll just talk about wins or losses, so to speak. We'll th- we'll throw it out there as far as like we did with the build up. So the major moves that, that stood out as great for TakeOver and then things that weren't perhaps so great. Um, I can tell you right off the bat, when it comes to NXT War Games, the TakeOver event, one thing that stood out for me was these these tweets or whatever going after Mauro Ranallo's commentary from Corey Graves. Apparently during TakeOver, Corey Graves was just very unhappy with what he was hearing and felt like Morrow was overshadowing, or at least attempting to overshadow, uh, Beth Phoenix and Nigel McGuinness. I I love what Morrow does. I don't understand how that's possible, being that it's a trio anyway, and they've always got somebody in their headset. So it seems to me like if somebody is allowing that to take place, and that's truly what's being done, then the complaint isn't about Morrow. The complaint is about the production. Well... So my question would be, is if he's not the senior announcer, uh, I guess that would be Michael Cole's title officially. Yeah, Michael Cole the senior. Yeah. Uh, So if you're not this senior and you have nothing to do with Morrow, then just zip your mouth. Right. In all honesty, because all you're doing is helping the other company because it looks like your company is falling apart because y'all can't even be unified. Right. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with also Corey Graves is also trying to save his own ass right now. You know, because you think about it, he used to be on all the shows. You know, he had all the shows on the WWE Network. And who is this? Who's the person left without a seat in a lot of stance? You know, then all the stuff with Carmella going on. You know, it's like he's trying to stay relevant and keep his name in there. But he also thinks he's more important than he is. You know, I'd much rather hear more Ronello than Corey Graves any day. Yeah, I, I feel like Morrow's energy level only serves to help. Beth Phoenix and Nigel McGuinness. It, it only helped Percy Watson when they were doing it. And uh, the other gentleman whose name I just can't recall. His commentary is energetic. It's over the top, but it's it elevates the product. And he, he keeps it relevant with pop culture references, with the ability to know what a different hold does and how it looks and how to call it. You know, if anything, Corey Graves could maybe stand to learn a little bit from Morrow because of the fact that Morrow seems to have, in, in my opinion, a better grasp of what's happening in the ring than Corey Graves does. Well, I agree with that. And I also say that it's Morrow's job. It's Morrow's job to set the scene, to set the tone, to, you know, paint the picture. How many other analogies can I use? Um, right, right. You know? I mean, it's his job. Like, when you, when the three of us are calling commentary for UCW, right? It's your job, Stan, to set the tone, right? It's not my job. It's not Brian's job to lead people through the match. That's your job. 
And that's Morrow's job. Morrow's job is to lead people through the match and tell the story. And it's Michelle McCool and the other guy, or whoever they are. Michelle McCool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Beth Phoenix, we just like to formally apologize. (laughs) Make sure that's Rob. (laughs) That's H-E-1-F-N-E-R. But what I'm saying is it's, it's, it's Morrow's job and the other two to fill in the gaps. Right. You know, it's never... It's never my job. It's never my job to tell the story. You know, it's not uh, Brian's job to tell the story. It's your job to tell the story. And we're to fill in the gaps and take the story different places along the way. Does that make sense? It does. And Corey Graves' job is not to tell the story. Well, and the other part of that, though, is, and, and I'll go back to it, Corey knows the way broadcasting is done in WWE and NXT. He knows that Triple H or Michael Cole or someone is backstage in their ears saying, you say this, you say this, you say this. You know, they're being fed, not all lines, not an entire script, but they're being fed information. So if Morrow's right. being told, amp it up, amp it up, amp it up, he's going to keep talking. His, his tone of voice is going to get louder. His, his inflection on some of the, some of the words are going to be different. And Beth Phoenix and Nigel McGuinness are also being told, okay, chime in here. Remember this. Remember that. It's not just, hey, you're out there. It's the wild, wild west. Now, granted, that happens a lot with what we do in, in regards to how we handle it, but we have a couple different options. We have the option to, all right, well, you know, if we're, if we're doing it in post-production, let's do it again. But they don't have that option. They're doing it live. So, you know, I just find that it's interesting that a guy like Corey Graves would make that kind of a comment, especially since Corey knows what's happening. But I, I just, I think, uh, you know, for whatever reason... Uh, Corey's just acting, acting stupid. Yeah, you know, maybe he thinks that he's should be the head guy or something. And I don't know. Uh, I I think it's stupid because I love Morrow. I think most fans of NXT love Morrow, and they're probably glad Corey's not on there. Well, and plus, I mean, they they basically jobbed him out of his spot at SmackDown Live because of JBL. And you sent this guy into a mental health issue. I mean, you've literally pushed Mauro Ranallo. Not, not to say Brian is. I'm saying you know WWE has literally pushed Mauro Ranallo around. Like they've bullied him, and so now it's to a point where it's like, come on, man. I mean, now you're just pick. You're splitting hairs. I think Brian's right. I think it makes them look like there's infighting and that there's problems where it doesn't need to be. You know, the one place that you should be able to look. Regardless of how the talent is performing, you should be able to look at your staff and say, okay, we're good here. <laughs> These guys aren't problems. It's who's backstage or who's in the locker room, whatever. That should be your focal point. But instead, now, you know, they've got, oh, well, it's all over social media, so now we look like we're a bunch of bullies. Now Corey Graves looks like a bully. And then apparently there's even a take out there that says that Morrow is taking it too seriously. It's like, no... That's that's not okay anymore. Like you, you've you've tried to paint these narratives before, and it doesn't work. So getting back into NXT Takeover, um, 
I wanted to cover what stood out as highlight, what stood out as like a, a low point. Um, I know that at different points are, we didn't all get a chance to see the entirety of each show, so this might go quickly. Um, the women's War Games matchup, to me, stands out as the spotlight match for NXT TakeOver War Games. Um, Dakota Kai kind of stole the show in a moment by when it was time for her to come out and enter the cage. Instead, she turns and beat the crap out of Tegan Knox. I mean, she beat this woman all Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only a Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. All over her little uh, pod or cage, smash the door on her face, smash the door on her leg, um, and since Dakota Kai has been coming out uh, in a rather, I don't want to say different attire, just the way she carries herself and, and the way fans are responding to her, not obviously in like in a bad guy change kind of thing, but like there's just this new energy behind her, and I think it was to me it was what stole the show. Uh, I guess it was unexpected. Yeah. Um, God, I, that she probably would have been the last one. <laughs> Honestly, that you're like, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, she's going bad, you know. So it's a pleasant surprise they pulled it off. Especially since they just did the whole thing of Tegan Knox coming back and Kai being, oh my God, I missed you, and you know. And it, it, you know, and then all of a sudden, you're the reason I got beat down the other night. And yeah. Then holding her knee brace and taking her knee brace and holding it and then doing interviews with the knee brace. That's kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, the, the interesting part of this is Rhea Ripley ends up um, coming away the big winner out of this instead of what I honestly expected, even though to me it would have seemed kind of same old, same old. I honestly expected Shayna Baszler's team to come out of top, but it was Rhea Ripley's team that actually scored the victory. Now, you got to remember now, with this, it's Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, and um, that's it. <laughs> it was Ripley and um, LeRae because Tegan Knox got the crap beat out of her. Dakota Kai had to be escorted out, so it was basically two on four. Well, I mean, you got Ripley. Do you need anybody else? She's a beast. This is true. She is a badass. Yeah, I I think that sets her up for the future, too. Well, they're definitely putting – you can see where they're they're placing their bets, that's for sure. Yeah, because – I mean, again, with with uh, what happened with Baszler the next night, I mean, a call up for her is only it's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. So she's going to have to leave NXT, you know, with the right person, and Ripley sure does fit that bill. So that that's that was what I thought was a standout the the miss of the night, in my opinion. Um, 
Balor and Riddle. Uh, I think while I like both guys, I'm I'm thinking to me, and this is because I'm a Matt Riddle fan, that the more you make Matt Riddle lose, the further and further you're burying this guy. And he might be one of those guys where the deck is just stacked against him overall, and much like uh, Chris Hero or Cashizono, he may never truly see a full or fair call-up. I mean, I just think anytime you're, you know, like you said, like if you're trying to build Matt Riddle up, there's no really, feeding him to Finn Balor. As popular as Finn Balor is, bringing Finn Balor back, there's no way to for, for him to get the rub on this. You know, there's no way for him to get, where's Matt Riddle go after this? Right. You know, I mean, it got it got so bad with Cassius Ono to the point where when he'd show up, you're like, oh, you still work here. Right. Right. You know? And Matt Riddle, a few weeks ago, was destined to be going, like, main roster worthy. You know? I mean, he's had he's had standout matches with Adam Cole. He's had standout matches with Roderick Strong. And every time I thought they were going to pull the trigger on, on even the North American title. They just they just don't and and I get it maybe there's something else behind the scenes that's going on I mean that I guess makes sense but I would hate to see opportunity be wasted with a guy like that but then again you know Brian you, you're not necessarily a Matt Riddle guy what is it that I'm missing when it comes down to it uh I did I the surfer is just too gimmicky for me um. Do you think that's what's hurting him right now? So, I don't think, I don't, you couldn't, I don't even think you could put him in tights and actually turn him into a WWE type guy Mm -hmm. and it would fit him, right? Uh, Just because you're a great wrestler, that doesn't mean that you're, you should go to the WWE, Okay. Because it hampers you. So you need to fit into their cookie-cutter plan for you, right? Yeah. They don't fit you. You fit them. And he may have been stellar on the Indies and other places because they allowed him to be him. But here... He's got to be the WWE's version. And it doesn't always work. And I think it's, it's not so much that I don't like him. It's just that as a WWE performer, I don't like him. Right. He, he's not allowed to be Matt Riddle. I agree with that. Yeah. And, I mean, it's a... You know, it's the same thing like Rob said earlier about Shinsuke Nakamura and all these other people, right? They they have caught on, but the office doesn't understand that mm-hmm. because they're not letting them be them. They are fitting that round peg into a square hole, and they are forcing it in there and forcing it in there. So... And, and again, I, I know that we all caught different points in matches with both shows, both Survivor Series and NXT. Um, Brian, is there a standout moment for TakeOver for you? Or was there a. Because you had said 
before we really started that the general word you got was that War Games was just a flop. Well, not so much a flop, then it just, it wasn't good, right? So, I had no plans on watching it that evening. Mm-hmm. I, I did keep track on social media, because it's, it's easy, so I knew about the 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 turn mm-hmm. uh, by Dakota, and I was very shocked when I saw it come across, because um, I did see the... Uh, where she just hauls off and <laughs> destroys the box. And I was like, oh, that's that's kind of cool. Uh, and then I knew Owens come out. and But then people were just like, you know, it wasn't a great takeover. And so if it's not what I expect, I'm not going to watch it. Right, so I'm well past the time that just because it's WWE, I'm going to turn it on mm-hmm. and sit down and watch it. And that's again, that's just what I've heard, and I'm now at the point where I'm not worried about it because I know certain results, the ones I was looking forward to, you know, looking at. And, right. You know. So. With, with what your your general feel was, and the vibe you were catching off social media, because you had said that you weren't necessarily planning on watching it that Saturday, did that influence you? Just maybe say, no, nah, I'm just not going to turn it on. No, no, uh, because uh, I forget what was going on, but just for whatever reason, um, I couldn't watch it that night. Yeah, yeah, and um. Then you know, as as on uh, Twitter and Facebook, all these things start popping up, and you know, you see. Uh, I I don't care so much if I know results. I can go back and watch shows, mm-hmm. even if I know results, as long as it's a good show, right? Um, but then as the results, you know, start popping up, or um. You know, this happened and this happened and, you know, all they start talking about this stuff. And then you start reading uh, the stuff underneath. And it's like, oh, this is not a great takeover. And, you know, there's the matches and spectacular. It should have been better. You know, it it just becomes the you get to the point where, well, I'm just not going to watch it at all. Yeah. Rob, Um, how about. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Brian. I, I, no, I, go, ahead. go ahead. I, I was just going to say, Rob, how about you? Was, were you seeing any of this negative influence at all? Were you seeing any kind of a negative vibe? I mean, there's always going to be the haters. There's always going to be the people that, you know, the pluses and minuses when things go on. I've always been a fan of the War Games concept. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it should have been used years ago, but I think it needs to be used correctly. Right. You know? I think there needs to be a, like, when it was legit, Horseman versus Dusty, and Dusty would find the Road Warriors, and, you know, we did the NWO versus Sting and his team, you know what I mean? Like, just throwing people together for an event just doesn't make sense. But I thought, I mean, it's it's NXT and it's War Games, so. Yeah, I mean, the... 
Okay, so I was really excited when they brought the War Games concept back. I'm like, oh, cool, this will be great. And then I, you know, very quickly realized, wait, they're gonna, they're gonna vince, they're gonna vincify it, which is exactly what they did. They took the roof off the cage. They, you know, right. I'm like, come on, it was, it was as convoluted as it seemed back when I was a kid. I remember it seeming much more brutal and much more of it's a submission. You've got to make someone give up. And I'm like, man, that's a cool concept. And I thought if anybody could pull it off, it'd be NXT. But, I mean, now they got pinfalls there. They got the referee that, you know, is checking on guys throughout all these spots and everything. And then, of course, without the roof on the cage. I mean, not to say that the the crashing through the table that Champa and Adam Cole did wasn't spectacular to watch. But, it to me... What could have been a gritty kind of backstreet kind of brawl inside of a, a, a back alley somewhere it turned out to be, you know, just a typical spot fest that just didn't have to be. Like, there were risks being taken that didn't have to be done. And that could have made this match even better if they had not done it. I mean especially after watching Survivor Series, because I did watch Survivor Series um, mostly. I, I was kind of half asleep at some parts, but only because of the, the day itself. It, it's one of those things where you want to be able to enjoy it for what it is, and then it feels like, eh. Just like Brian says, you know, there's people out there like, man, this just, this could have done this or could have been that, and it just doesn't seem to live up to the the so-called hype that that's been put out there. Um, if, if I could throw in another, you know, Hey, we, we've seen enough. Can we maybe get rid of Killian Dane, please? Uh, I'm just not, not into Killian Dane. I like Damian priest. I like Pete Dunn, but Killian Dane, it, it basically his, his gear and his, his, the way he carries himself. It's almost like a, a redheaded Baron Corbin. Hmm. Yeah, I'm just not sold. Let, let's let's put that dog to sleep there. Let's put that to rest. Uh, so are we done with takeover, guys? Is there anything else that y'all want to throw out there for takeover? Nope. Nope. Rob. Nope. Moving on. Moving on up. So Survivor Series would come, and uh, <laughs> here's another eight-hour extravaganza. The Big Four now is a like a four to five hour pregame and then there's another four hours of I don't know I can't keep track of it all um, so it starts off with a tag team battle royal then a cruiserweight title match and the tag team championship exhibition match between uh, NXT Raw and Smackdown that's all on the pre-show guys are we at a point now where they should just stop calling a pre-show and just start the show at five o'clock and be be that uh, God, uh, it's, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. The, the length of some of these pay-per-views. I mean, I mean WrestleMania two years in a row ended after midnight. <laughs> I mean, that's the problem. You know, you're going to, like you said, you're going to have a pre-show. Well then, you know, it's to to start the pay per view, you know, and then have something. It's not to have the pay per view, have some matches, rehash everything on the pre show while the pay per view is going on. 
Yeah, if, if there's a big, big complaint about the overall production, I understand you know, WWE has grown to a certain point, and they're now at a point where they are, in their minds, expected to deliver a certain type of production. But at some point, it's time to say, okay, uh, maybe, maybe we got to do something a little different. Maybe, possibly. Um, but here's the overall review of it. I mean, standout matches to me. First off, the women's elimination match. If there was a question, if you could do a triple threat elimination style for Survivor Series, this answered the question in a real positive way because I thought the women's elimination match was great. Um, obviously, there's going to be some parts where you're like, eh, this could have been better, this could have been done here. Um, but to me, the match was paced evenly enough. The speed of which the, the eliminations took place kept you engaged. Of Excuse me, I got the hiccups all of a sudden. Although I would say that... Don't get worked up. I know, I'm getting verklempt. Talk amongst yourselves, I'll give you a topic. Um, <laughs> I will say that I felt that the the ending was a bit overdone. Where they had Candace and... What was her name? Um, damn it. Uh, I, oh, Io Shirai. They had them race to the back like they were leaving. And then all of a sudden they come out at the end to to help NXT come away with the victory. To me, I was like, eh, maybe it's a bigger moment where you let Ripley take the victory and just go from there. It doesn't have to be somewhere else. That's my well, point. I, again, I, so I enjoyed this uh, women's match mm-hmm. quite a bit too until – we got to who was it, Sasha, and uh, who was the other one that uh, tapped out? Uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, was it uh, Bianca Belair? Did Sasha put her in the bank statement, and then somebody else had her too? Yeah. Was it Belair? Yeah. Uh, hold on, let me go back. Belair eliminated Nikki Cross. And Sarah Logan, then Charlotte would eliminate Carmella and Kyrie Sane. Dana Brooke gets eliminated by Oscar. Oscar uh, turns on Charlotte, which actually I really dig what they're doing with Oscar with that. That I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, glad yeah. they're letting her keep that. Um, then it was yeah, it was a it was a tandem elimination submission. So yeah, Sasha so- and Natalya hit the sharpshooter in the bank statement. That's where they lost me in this match. They had me hook, line, and sinker all the way up to that point. Because on the outside was Rhea, uh, was Ripley and um, who's the other one? Um, NXT had two of them. Tony Storm. All right. So you have those two on the outside uh, on, in the corner, Right. While what's your name is getting tapped out by two people. Okay? Right. In their corner, and neither one of them go in and make a save. Yeah, that. There was a lot of that. It wasn't just in this matchup, but you're absolutely right. Like, the inability to recognize what's right in front of your face. Like, why would you not break that up? Yeah, why wouldn't you? I mean, you could have easily just kicked them from outside yeah. 
holding the tag rope, kicked them through the ropes. It would have broke the tag, and you would have remained up three to one to one. Yeah. But instead, you let them get tapped out right in front of you. And that's where, to me, the whole match fell apart. Because then you had the run-in by Io Shirai and Candice LeRae, and you didn't need it. To me, it just got the match just got off the track real quick, and it never got put back on. Um, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a very solid match. I just did not like this ending whatsoever. Yeah, the the whole and and it, I, I get tired. Of, I used to say this about Impact all the time, but how many different ways are you going to book a finish? Dude, just let her go. Let her be the winner, yeah. sole survivor. Who cares? You know yeah. that would have been so much bigger, and it would have helped Rhea Ripley a lot more. Yeah. If you if you didn't want her to pin Sasha, you could have had Natty do it, and then Natty get pinned. Right. You know, for whatever reason, I don't. I I just I could not figure out that booking. And it completely, to me, took a very good match and screwed it up. Rob, any thoughts from the uh, women's elimination match? I agree with you all. I mean, they did what they do. Remember, we just talked about the difference between NXT and the main roster. Uh-huh. So they did what they do. Took something that could have been awesome and made it, oh, here we go. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it had potential. It definitely had potential. Yeah. I mean, I I would very easily put it up there as one of the matches of the night. But it could have been so much better if they hadn't screwed it up. Yeah, there were some some matchups that I, I super enjoyed and have watched multiple times since Survivor Series aired. Um for example, Adam Cole and Pete Dunn. Holy crap. That match was amazing. Like, I think oh, that's yeah, match that of the year candidate. Match. I did see one match on Survivor Series, and that was my favorite. I felt like they just the chemistry between those two, I want to see it again. <laughs> I want to see two out of three falls or something, because those guys... They left every bit of their hearts and souls right there in that ring. Yeah, I think you'll see it again. I, I think it'll be a nice big fat takeover if you get to see it again. I w- maybe even an Iron Man match or something. I don't know. And I think you'll see he'll be the one that takes the belt off of uh If they don't give it to Balor, Pete Dunne will be the one that takes the belt off of him. So, a matchup that I felt really had potential that really fell super short and made me really disappointed, and I'm a big fan of both of these guys, was Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan. I was looking forward to this match. I was excited about the possibilities, and it just it just fell flat. And is anybody else done with that stupid red light? Yes. God. Can we just, I mean, I get the gimmick, I get the character, I love the Fiend, but enough with the red light, I'm getting headaches. Well, but it amuses them, and, you know, they know what they're doing. 
Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> they, they know what the hell they're doing. I just, man, there's so much potential there with the, the two of them. You already know that Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt can work together very well. Man, just let them have their match. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently, I'm 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 just becoming old and curmudgeonly. I don't know. Curmudgeonly. Curmudgeonly is that a word? What in the world are you talking about? You know, being a curmudgeon. Becoming old. What? Hey, hey, hey! Screw you, buddy. I don't <sighs> have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, fine. Uh, Brian, uh, highlight matchup that stood out for you. Uh, well, I mean, I enjoyed, for the most part, uh, the women's match, the Survivor Series. I did enjoy that. Um, I thought the triple threat with the champions left a lot to be desired. Uh, wasn't my favorite. Um... Bailey just looks so out of place. Um, and then, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the whole thing, but there, to me there wasn't a lot to write home about. Although I can't wait to see Oscar and Charlotte go at it again. Now, was there was there a part for you that just was like, what? why the hell did they put this on the pay-per-view? Uh... I didn't like the men's Survivor Series match at all. They didn't seem like they were in sync hardly any of that match. Yeah. Um, I just... It, I mean, it didn't impress me. I thought it was okay match, but it definitely wasn't my favorite. I felt like... When it came to the eliminations, they didn't make sense. Like, you have Keith Lee as your as your sole survivor there, or potentially the sole survivor, where you've got all of these other people, like Tommaso Ciampa, who is the captain of your team. Wouldn't it have made better sense to have Ciampa closing that out with Roman Reigns? Well, not necessarily. Um... Uh, uh, to me, it, 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 as long as it tells the right story mm-hmm. and makes sense, to me, it shouldn't matter uh, the particular order. But to, that match, to me, just seemed like really flat. Um, almost like there wasn't a lot of emotion in it. There weren't too many people that were really caring about it. It it felt like with with what we saw with Keith Lee, fans were, were kind of trying to catch up and say, who is this guy? Not that they didn't want to cheer for him, because he eventually did bring him in, but a lot of the time was spent with Keith Lee on the outside and everybody else in there in the ring mixing it up. So... To me, it would have made better sense if you had the ability to to put Keith Lee in a position where he's he's really shining instead of just kind of powdering on the outside, waiting until he gets a moment. 
It's all armchair quarterbacking from here, guys. <laughs> uh, I will say this. The match that I had high hopes for that came close, but I still don't understand people's complaints with it, up at, well, to a point, I guess, is going to be the women's triple threat match between Bailey, Shayna, and Becky. You couldn't... You couldn't really expect that Becky was going to lose to Shayna, at least not yet. And with Bailey, it was obvious that she was going to be the person that takes the fall. So for me, if there's a complaint, it's that, well, it's obvious who's going to lose here. Yeah, all right, so my complaint is uh, Bailey looks out of place. She looks so out of place. She does look more and more uncomfortable as as a bad guy. Oh, not just a bad guy. She looks out of place. She looks uncomfortable being champion. I mean, if you flash forward to Friday night, this past Friday with that interview, and you just look at, I mean, it's like almost like sheer terror on her face. Um, you know, I just, I don't think she's comfortable right now. I think she knows she's outclassed, she's outmatched, and, um, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't a bright spot having her in that match. Rob, what do you think when it comes to Bailey? Is she in the wrong position? Yeah. I mean, we all said, you know, oh, wait till she turns heel, wait till she turns heel. Well, now she's turned heel, and it doesn't seem like she knows what to do. I mean, I don't like the new haircut, the new do, um, but it's just like Brian said. I, I agree with Brian. Like, she just seems out of place. Like, if you're going to put the belt on her, you know, and then change her, it didn't make sense. Like, it would have made sense to put it on Sasha. Right. You know, because Sasha already had the heat going, you know, and have her and Bailey do that whole fight that we all knew was coming. You know? But, I agree. That's Things, some needs to change. Yeah, there was a lot of room for, and, and understandably so, room for concerns and criticism coming out of Survivor Series, especially with the buildup that they did so well. Realistically speaking, yeah, there's improvement points that we, we were able to jot down as we move towards the pay-per-view, but there's a lot more room for improvement coming out of it because some, Survivor Series, almost said SummerSlam, Survivor Series really had more uh, questions than answers which is not a good thing. That's not the way you want to end your show, especially with, you know, Shayna Baszler going over, which I'm fine with, but in this regard, Bailey is not comfortable in her role right now. She doesn't seem like she's either, and I won't say not up to the task. I think she is as much as she can be, but I feel like, I, I think Brian's probably right. I think she probably realizes that she's a little in over her head. Plus, doing this as a bad guy versus doing this as Bailey that, you know, is the, Hey, I'm always going to give it the best fight I can, you know, where people can get behind her. 
I think with Bailey as a bona fide good guy and then Becky and Shayna playing the roles they play, that match may have come out better, but I, I couldn't guarantee it. No, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I said it even when she was a good guy mm-hmm. holding the title this time. She's, she's not. There's something off. There's something really off. I mean, you can look in her eyes, and it looks like she's just terrified. You can listen to the way she talks, and she is stumbling over herself. I mean, that promo uh, Friday night was a hot mess. Straight-up hot mess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, this match, if it had been Baszler and Lynch... And you could, if you'd made an elimination and eliminated her right off the bat and been done with it, um, that match probably would have been a whole lot better. Um, I, I can't figure it out. I don't, I don't know what the world's going on with her. I wonder if perhaps she saw Sasha come back and just felt like, well, crap, there goes my, my moment. <laughs> there goes my shot. Cause I wonder if, if kind of like when, do you remember when Brett turned bad in 97? And almost as soon as that happened, they turned Hunter and Sean bad too. And it was like popping the balloon before it really should have been popped. Yeah, but, I mean, she's a champion. So why why would she even be worried about anybody else? I just feel like she's overshadowed. And maybe maybe that speaks more to what you were saying as far as being in just a different level. You know, a level perhaps a step below. Yeah, I, I mean, they're all friends. Uh, I don't see right. where one of them, um, you know. And again, it's not like it's it's Becky and Charlotte on the show. It's Sasha. So you would have out of the group uh, three and four together, and Charlotte and Becky would be together. Um, if she was on a show with Charlotte and Becky, oh, I did panic mode. She couldn't compete. I think it's an example of, like you said, I think it's an example of, you know, the four of them have come and she just stopped. And the others have grown. She may have plateaued at a, at a, just a, an earlier point. Maybe you're correct. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, she hit her stride with the whole hugger thing. You know, then she had the, all the people behind her, and she was, oh! But the others have moved and adapted. You know? <laughs> do, do that again, Rob. What, what, what was she all like? Ah! <laughs> but, I mean, you think, like, she cannot think on her feet like, Becky, you know, you put that in the stratosphere, what Becky has done and her gimmick alone, like you talk about transforming. Did, did either one of you guys think that Brock Lesnar was going to lose to Rey Mysterio? No. (laughs) Just a solid no, hard no. (laughs) Quietly hoped. Yeah. But knew it wasn't going to happen. Because every time 
we get our hopes up that he loses the belt, he gets it, then they say they somehow put it on to put it back on him in a few months. A few months. So out of the pay per view, we go in and we've got man. There's a number of different things to go through, so we'll try our best to dive through it. Uh, MJF, of course, we we had the conversation after Full Gear. MJF has has fully <laughs> turned on everyone now. Instead of it being only Cody's his best friend, it's he hates everyone, and he has a list. This is actually pretty funny. He posted this on Twitter. After November 9th of 2019, his list is entitled, List of People I Will Never Wrestle. <laughs> Never <laughs> wrestle? Yes. And the okay. only person on this list is Cody Rhodes. <laughs> I that swear. is so funny. He is such a damn genius. <laughs> well, so, I think it was earlier, he was doing the whole fluff thing on Twitter or whatever. Yeah, I'll take your questions. Everybody should get along with each other. You know, he was doing the whole, you know, kissing babies type thing. And I didn't have a chance to go back and look to see when it when it went off the rails with him. But I'm sure it did. It probably was the first question. You know, oh, yeah, I'll take your questions. We're in a society now. Everybody needs to get along, love each other. I mean, he was just laying on thick. And I probably should have gone back and looked, see what the first question was, and see how fast he was like, I'll go F yourself. <laughs> he, um, I don't think he has any kind of sympathy at all for anybody. He may be legitimately that big of a jerk, but damn if he's not entertaining on TV. I, you know, I, I would imagine when it's all said and done, and if you were to catch him, if you knew him, right, was family or whatever, knew him, you'd find out he was like the 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 most lovable guy in the world. Big teddy you know? bear. Yeah, but he when he, when he's on, he's on, and he's probably the biggest dick in the world. <laughs> uh. People go out to LT with him, or like, and somebody recognizes MJF. The people with him is like, shit. Yeah. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're going to do an autograph signing. It's going to be Cody. It's going to be Dustin. And, oh, come on. MJ, mother effing F. <laughs> Although, I will, have to, I will have to admit Chris Jericho's 50 cents off a t shirt. Oh. Uh, Kind of rivals MJF for Dick Move of the Week. I thought that was pretty funny. He's like, I got a, something special for all you wonderful fans. Reach out under your seats. There's a ticket there. 50 cents all your next Chris Jericho team. I was like, come on. And you know that's legit, right? That was a legit uh, promo for Pro Wrestling Tees. Like, they posted, people were posting it, and it's like a legit. 50 cents off a t-shirt. <laughs> so damn smart. Just, I mean, the guy is, you're not going to get any better as a performer than a guy like Chris Jericho. And yes, he annoys the crap out of me sometimes, but only a moron would think that you can't look at him as one of the best performers of all time right now. Yeah. 
So, out of that, and WrestleCade's been going on this weekend out in Charlotte, North Carolina. Lots of different things happening there. This one was, uh, I think this is noteworthy. Arn Anderson asked during his live Arn show at WrestleCade, if you had to put together a modern-day Four Horsemen with Arn being the J.J. Dillon of the group, who would it be? Well, Arn starts off, which, you know, Cody Rhodes, I think it's a solid choice. Dash Wilder, Scott Dawson, okay, the Revival, cool with that. And then he says Braun Strowman. Mm. Okay. It's an interesting choice. I don't know that Braun would be my fourth selection, but yeah, okay. Uh, oh, go ahead and tell them. Like I said earlier, I think that's like the Mongo <laughs> yeah, and then Stan said he'll be the one that gets beat out. All right, who's beating out Braun? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like, could, do you do you just like barricade him into a room, <laughs> back a truck up to the door, and not let him out? I mean, how the hell? Uh, well, I mean, would the you horse not put it? The horseman always found the you know somebody bigger and better. To, to when they decided to boot people out, so they probably get like uh, Brock Lesnar or something. Brock Lesnar, jeez, <laughs> Brock and the Horseman. Okay, well now you've boy, now you really just started another uh, issue. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying to be perfect, but I mean, who else are you going to get to drop uh, brawn on his head? <laughs> Uh, yeah, Bobby Lashley. Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, Bobby Lashley needs to be nowhere, ever. Bobby Lashley and Lana. That would be the Paul Roma, I guess. The oh! Paul Roma. <laughs> yeah. There was, I remember, you know, back here in the early 90s, reading a rumor that Shane Douglas was possibly being groomed to be part of the Horseman. Knowing what no we way. know now, of course, that's like, no way. Yeah, no way. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe back in the early days of Shane Douglas, maybe. No. I don't think them two got along at all, ever. According to, like, you listen to Shane Douglas. I mean, he just literally, <laughs> I mean, he makes no bones about it. So I don't think there's any any love at all at first. So I'm not saying it would have been bad because I think when he was the franchise, uh, he could have run any faction and been good at it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he did have he did start the triple threat. Yeah. It's our namesake. Got to respect that. Uh, by the way, we talked about Chris Jericho in ingenious moves. Here's one that happened on Wednesday night as well. Chris Jericho announcing the creation of a little bit of the bubbly. No, that's actually a bottle of wine sold by KnockingPointWines.com. For $46, you can get 
two bottles of sparkling wine uh, from KnockingPointWines.com. This is something that he's partnered with Steve Amell to put this together. And he calls it, <laughs> you're pre-ordering it right now. It's uh, due to be shipping out in the second week of December. It says, be the first to get your hands on the official libation of Le Champion. <laughs> uh, when is it going to ship out? Second week of December. All right. Just in time for Christmas. Well, when Sue's just a knocking point, I'm like, oh, that should be interesting. He's going to be on backstage this week. Yeah, that's uh, that's the other thing. Like, I just just read that a, a little while ago. Steve Amell to show up on WWE backstage, and he's going to be a part of their promo class. Have you guys watched backstage at all? No. 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 Wow. I mean, I mean there's so much product out there right now. Uh, why would you expect me to? Or why would you even think that I would watch that? Not you, but I'm talking like the WWE or Fox or whoever puts that puts that show on. I need a break. I know you watch it because it's got your 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 man crush. He's back. Return to the yeah, ring confirmed. Any better than ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's in catering. That's the other guy. <laughs> Uh, CM Punk did indeed make his return back to a WWE show, but not in the ring. He's on WWE backstage. Uh, actually, a pretty good debut, I felt. Um, he was fair. If anything, what this tells me is, is it possible that CM Punk could wrestle in one more match for WWE? Yes. No, um, really? Is it likely? I still lean towards no. But apparently, the rumblings now is that it's going to be, you'll love this, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins and CM Punk at WrestleMania. Yeah, so you see how... I gotta say, I'm not a fan of that idea. Yeah. I mean, nor should you be. So this is... a, a bad way to try and drum up business for your biggest show of the year, and you shouldn't need it. I mean, much like Hulk Hogan making one more match. Hey, Team Hogan. Team Hogan rules. Oh, wait. That was Crown Jewel. Sorry. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, you saw how well that went. <laughs> They're not yet paid for that, so. <laughs> right, right. I mean, they don't even get the money to say it. <laughs> yeah, it's look, I want to see CM Punk wrestle. Don't get me wrong. I definitely do. I, I feel like here's a guy that still has something left to do. He could. Put it that way. Um, but I feel like... And I'm a fan of both guys, but I, I feel like Seth Rollins would be the wrong opponent. Um, I feel like you don't. I, I think you're right, Brian. I don't think I don't think you need CM Punk at this point. Could he help your show? Sure, but do you need him? No, absolutely not. Yeah, but he only helps long term. If you're just bringing him in for WrestleMania, he mm-hmm. doesn't help you at all. Right. Because then once WrestleMania is over, CM Punk's over. And what would you get out of it? Nothing. Yeah, I, I got to say, if 
look, I want to see him back, but it's it's probably just not going to go. It's just not going to happen. So, let's talk about... Uh, Hmm. <laughs> How about we talk about Starcade for a second? And it should only take a second because it was only about an hour long. Biggest problem I have with WWE owning the rights to these names, especially Starcade and things like that, they don't do their due diligence. I mean, it's always been a December show, right? But instead, they go with TLC, which everybody knows. Unless you have, you might have one standout match, and that show usually sucks. But you got Starcade, a proven entity, a marketable name that you can literally do whatever you want in a super card fashion, and it would still have more luster, in my opinion. Instead, it gets an hour in the WWE Network. We get the Kevin Owens show as he has a special guest, Ric Flair, the OC, and the Street Profits. Why? That's just dumb. Uh, it ends up being a tag match between the OC and the Street Profits. Again, who cares? Why? Yeah, the Street Profits win by pinfall on that, but no one's bought in on this. Like, the OC and the Street Profits are both talented teams, but if I'm in the crowd on this, I'm like, why are these guys even fighting? This doesn't make sense. But, of course, they've had this long-standing feud on Raw for the like past five weeks, so now it's a major rivalry, I guess. Uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey taking on Becky Lynch and Charlotte, who were taking on Nikki Cross and uh, Alexa Bliss in a fatal four-way, all challenging the Kabuki Warriors for the Women's Tag Team Championship. That's just a real long, drawn-out way of saying Asuka makes Nikki Cross tap out. <laughs> that's that's really the result. That's what you get, guys. We're going to give you all of this build-up and all of these names, which, hey, super, you just put, like, uh, two, four, six, eight different women, top-notch women, in your in the match, and you gave them tag teams. All your champs. Yeah. You could have did, you know, a SmackDown women's title match, a Raw women's title match, a women's tag match, all of those, but then... <laughs> Why would you not have Charlotte Flair in the main event at Starcade? In Charlotte. Oh, it gets better. Do you want to know what main event is? Sure. So it was supposed to be a last man standing match between Bobby Lashley and Rusev. Really? Yeah, that was what it was supposed to be. The angle that should have never happened. Yeah, that this is the worst. Divorce angles never, never play out well. They have never done well. We should have learned this lesson years ago, but no, we're just going to keep doing it. We don't know why. So, Rusev, for whatever reason, is nowhere to be found. So, it turns out to be, since Rusev is not in the building, the last man standing match is called off, Kevin Owens comes to the ring to challenge Bobby Lashley. Owens uh, is on the on the up and up, he's he's coming out there and he's beating the crap out of Lashley. And Rusev comes to the ring and comes in, rolls in the ring, and nails Lashley from behind. Which causes a disqualification. And Rusev and Lashley battle all over the place. They go through the ringside barricade. And that, my friends, is how they close out Stark. 
Like, I'd be yeah. embarrassed to call that a house show. <laughs> I don't even know if a house show would get like that. Like, that's ridiculous. And and I'm a WWE guy most times. But what? Dumb, 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 dumb. Three matches Starcade had. Three freaking matches. Well, I mean, they might have had more. I'm sure they had more. But they only televised three. Because Lord knows if they... Eight more were on the pre-show. Yeah, (laughs) if somebody was foolish enough to buy a ticket for an hour... Boy, no wonder Vince does what he does. Hey, that's uh, that's good stuff, pal. We're also talking about people that have bought tickets for the Raw anniversary that were, um, remember? Oh yeah, yeah. It was in two arenas, and the one arena just watched it on a <laughs> on a TV. I can't tell you how absolutely furious I would be if I had paid. Because I understand those tickets for the 25th anniversary for Raw was like $2,500. Like on both arenas. But if I had paid that kind of money and all I got was, hey, you're going to watch it on the big screen? I'd have been pissed. Yeah. I might I mean, have actually left before the show started and gotten a refund. My feelings are... I've always liked Starcade from the NWA days, you know, like Starcade. Right. And I think Starcade should be a pay per view. If you're going to have the lineage and you're going to use it, use it right. You could replace, oh, let's see, Stomping Ground or Detour, Roadblock, Pothole, whatever you want to call these things. <laughs> You know, um, bathroom <laughs> break, WWE um, yeah. <laughs> urinal clay, you know, something. Urinal it's just... cake, ew. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, here it is. You're putting it in December, right? December 1st. But put it, you know, you could have it after Survivor Series, you know? And have the Survivor Series matches lead into Starcade, you know? Because your belts aren't on the line at the at Survivor Series most of the time. So put them, in, put them at Starcade. But no. It's a Saturday night's main event, and it sucks. It's All like right. he's just using the name just so that the patent lawyers can say, oh, well, it's being used. Ha ha. He, he is. That's all he's using it for. And I'm sure they have to use it. And if they don't use it, they probably lose it. Right. I just feel like, you know, I get the idea, hey, we can do this, we can do this, we can make Starcade, you know, happen. But it, it doesn't happen. It's not... Look, for, for fans that pay attention, and there's a lot more of us than they give credit to, and if you need proof of that, check your ratings from Wednesday nights. Because people remember the legacy of what Starcade was. Maybe not what it is right now, because WWE has screwed it up so bad. But wrestling fans that truly know wrestling know what Starcade is. 
And for us to see, I mean, who, nobody, nobody wants to see or is paying to see Bobby Lashley and Rusev. Now, it doesn't mean that six months down the road, both of them are in different storylines and perhaps doing better, and maybe people are paying to see them. But right now, this current storyline, it it sucks. No one cares. Lana being the at the forefront of a... I don't even know if I call it a divorce angle anymore. It's just awful. It was awful when they tried it with Dolph Ziggler. It's awful now. It will be awful when they do it again with whoever. And it doesn't do any payoff for Rusev. Rusev, a character that needs something. Right? They had it. They had Rusev Day. They had it in the palms of their hands. They had but money. That wasn't something that they created. Right. It was Rusev and uh, Aiden English being like, yeah, let's go out there and do Rusev Day. And then it catches fire and Vince is like, no, no. I didn't create this. Right. We, we're not going to use it. Well, and did we catch, what was it, last week? That she was doing her speech about the restraining order, or no, the, yes, and the marriage, and she had no accent whatsoever? Yeah. The they're... only time she had an accent was when she said, Rusev. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Why is this stuff getting primetime TV when you have people like Bobby Roode are getting jobbed out to Roman Reigns? Do you think that they're trying to get off of USA? Where would you go? Yeah, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. But do you think that I they're think trying to get wrong off of USA? Is, I think what's wrong is Vince wasn't ready for the competition or whatever that whatever's going on. And he's making all the mistakes. He's making all the mistakes that Eric Bischoff made. You know, I mean, it goes all the way back to when the elite were sitting outside the arena. You know, and Vince did the whole, don't let him in. Right. If he had just opened the door, boom. You wouldn't have his problem today. He said, come on in. You know? He'd have really, they'd have really been been shocked if he had literally just said, hey, come on in. Right. It'd have been like, oh, uh, 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 uh. No, I don't think they'd have fallen flat. I think they would have done something with it. But I, I think that that's the kind of mentality that, I just don't think anybody's brave enough to do it anymore. Like, from from his position, because he thinks he's the smartest person in the damn room, he's like, ah, that, I know what's best for you. I know what fans want. But the reality is, like, it's just not that way anymore. The wrestling business has just changed so much. And we talk about it all the time, almost to the point where it's like, God, what are we going to talk about next? It, the truth of the matter is, when we look at wrestling as a whole and what we really and truly love out of it, the roles don't really change. Yeah, there's some things that are a little different here and there, some things that we could do better. But it's just about finding that... Happy medium between promo and wrestling. That's really it. There's not... You don't have to have 
storylines to the point where you can, but you don't have to have storylines to the point where people are getting beat up in the backstage area or that there's a love triangle or that all you have to do is person A, person B, they want to both be the best and they're going to go get in the ring and wrestle and that's what we're going to tell. That's what AEW has done right. Because there's there are some storylines like if you have you guys seen jointhedarkorder.com? Yes. I haven't gone but I, you know I've seen the promos. I just think that that sort of thing is it's just, it's the right time amount, it's the right feel and attitude and it's one of those things where this is what makes AEW stand out. They give you just enough. They don't take up 20 minutes. Like, if you look at the opening segment from this past Monday's Raw, Seth Rollins' segment took a good 20 minutes. Go back uh, 16 years, 2003. What was our primary complaint about Triple H? Mm, Too much? Yes. 20-minute promos starting the show. But... I mean, the 20-minute promos have been around forever and a day. So, that's still a complaint. Yeah. Although, I think uh, AEW kind of screwed up with this past show by doing the 20-minute promo. Where With Le Champion. Yeah, that that is something I wanted to talk about. So, I'm actually glad that... I'm actually glad that you're the one that brought it up. Because what I didn't want to come out as is seeming like I was nitpicking. So why do you consider that something that they kind of screwed up? Uh, because, so let's look at the pacing of the show, mm-hmm. right? Let's just let's just handle the pacing, right? So you go out there, you give the twenty minute promo, and now everybody else is ready, waiting to go, and they got to wait on a segment. And although it was a good segment, it's too long. Right? Your crowds, you start to lose your crowd because they're there to watch wrestling. They're not there to see a half-hour promo. Right. And yeah, I mean, look at it. It's the same thing that the WWE does. A 20-minute pro, promo. And by the time 20 minutes is over and done, you've gone to the bathroom. You've gotten up to get something to eat. Maybe you're starting to play on your phone now. You're doing all this other stuff instead of watching the program. So when the first match hits, you're not interested. So you're flat. Right? This is the first week. I mean, literally. If you go back and look at AEW this week, the show was flat to begin with. The matches were flat to begin with. It took Kenny Omega and Pac before they really started getting that show back to where they needed it. And I'm not saying the first two matches were horrible. I'm just saying after a 20-minute promo, I wasn't vested in them. And it's, I think it's the same thing that happens to the WWE. After a 20, 30, 40-minute promo, I'm not interested in your show no more. Yeah, that 
that seems to be a running trend, and that I am, again, I'm grateful that you're the person that brings that up, because of all of us, I would consider you to be the most, well, not that we're ever really negative on AEW, but the most pro, I'll put it that way. Um, so it's good that you bring that up, because the going commentary through social media and while this show was airing, because first off, Wednesday nights, one of the top trending topics on Twitter every single Wednesday since they started is Dynamite, is AEW. There's a, tra- a hashtag right now that's that's I'm with AEW or something like that that is trending still, and this is two weeks it's been going on, where fans are just basically, I'm with AEW for X, Y, and Z. And most of, it's, most of it is because of who they're a wrestling fan of, which I'm fine with. I think that's great. But Jericho, and we paint him in such a huge, awesome light, because we really do like what Jericho does. But Jericho, at this top role, you can have, there is such thing as too much of a good thing. You can, well, I, I, I don't think it's too much of a good thing. I think simply what they did is they outfoxed themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I think it was, okay... Jericho's like, let's, or somebody pitches the idea, let's do a celebration, right? For Le Champion. And they're all sitting around the, the, the table, the proverbial wooden table. Oh, yeah, well, uh, we should do this. Let's bring Virgil out first. Why? Why, why, is, why is he even there? Right? And let, I, unless we're going to do Ralph is 2.0, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I don't need Virgil. Right. He couldn't hear him. I don't think he knew what he was talking about. And that's how you open your show. Because he kind of stumbled. And you really couldn't hear him all that well. Soul Train Jones. Yeah, and uh, by the way, AEW, I think it's time that we fix their audio problem. Yeah, at this stage <laughs> of the game, guys, you're almost three months in. All right, come on. Fix it. Yeah. You know, it... it you're hurting yourselves in this regard because you need fans to identify with music, with promos, and with the in-ring action. You got yeah. the you got the in-ring action. You got it. You've got your promos mostly, but your music, your audio right now is the pits. And it's yeah. I just think it's just a matter of them. Just you know, hey, what do we got to do to fix this? And just fixing it. Yeah. But, but again, though, we're sitting around the wooden table. Oh, let's bring Virgil in. Ooh, yeah, we love Virgil. Yeah, it'd be funny. Let's bring your dad in. Ooh, oh, my goodness. What? Oh, my. Uh, right, right. We now have this line of wine. Let's promote the line. I mean, it was like they were trying to just cram so much crap into this. And don't get me wrong. I thought the segment was funny. However, 20 minutes is way too long. I will say there were some spotlights, some good moments. Yeah, I thought his dad was hilarious. Yes, was hilarious. his dad was good. The you know reach under the chair and get your ticket for fifty cents off was good. Yeah, um, you know Jake Hager giving him a goat was yeah. pretty cool. Um, and even though I'm not a huge Virgil fan, the Soul Soul Train Jones I thought was pretty cool. Um, I I don't I didn't really like the whole beat down on Roberts. I'm like I didn't like that. Leave a guy alone. He's an announcer, but if he's if that's what he wants to do, that's fine. You know, I guess, but whatever. Um, and since I don't see SCU in the inner circle as even viable, 
because the inner circle outnumbers them so heavily. So, it, okay. So I'm hoping because what I'm my my guess is that they're go they're headed towards what Cody calls the match beyond. So maybe it's SCU and the Bucks and Cody against the inner circle, maybe. It's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, um, I I completely agree with you though. You have so much stuff that was crammed into this segment that was like, ah, okay, maybe it's a bit much. Yeah, and and again, so I think that they just they reverted back to what they knew, mm-hmm. especially when they started sitting around coming up with this right. segment, and it turned into the first God. Uh, segment and two matches turned into like a WWE show. Oh, definitely. I mean, it, was, it was flat. The crowd was flat. Um, I thought it was that, you know, everything was lost as far as it wasn't really what I wanted to see. You know, I want wrestling. That's what I equate AEW with. And I didn't get it. So I became disenfranchised very quickly, and again, it took, uh, I think Pac and Omega was three, I think match three, um, so it took it took that, I mean, I don't even remember what the, uh, there was a woman's tag match. Yeah, right? so you had, you had the Lucha Brothers and Best Friends, which any other night, this would have been, you know, a, an exciting matchup to watch. The right. crowd was honestly dead. For this match, which is kind of sad, because both tag teams deserve so much better. Um, best friends actually getting an upset win over the Lucha Brothers. I consider that a shock, um, because to me, Lucha Brothers are your next tag team champions. Uh, B. Priestley and Emi Sakura versus Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander. Uh, that's the so, women's tag match you were talking about. Yes, um, I thought it was. It had its moments, and uh, what, uh, what's your name, Statler? Statlander. Statlander. Uh, give her six more months. Holy cow, she's bad. I think she's a star in the making. Yeah, I, I got a feeling from just kind of watching. Her mannerisms, she knows where she's at at all times, she's aware, and you cannot train that type of awareness. Mm-mm. No. She just, she has it. There's something very special about that lady. Yeah. Um, the next was uh, John Moxley's Call to Arms Open Challenge. Uh, I like and I dislike this idea of Moxley doing open challenges. I like it because it's going to give him more opponents in the long run, and we would find out that on Game Changer Wrestling, at the same time this was airing, Joey Janela would accept this challenge. So, hey, I'm on board with that. That match could be good. Um, uh, good. I, I mean, I don't mind what they're doing with Moxley. Um, I kind of like, I actually kind of like what they're doing with him because, uh, you know, so for me, Omega should be setting himself apart from the rest of the pack. Right. Right? Pac should be setting himself apart from the rest of the pack. Moxley should be in that same 
But uh, to me, Moxley should be like, you know, hey, I am I am a true bona fide superstar. You know, I did run that place. I have been that champion. Almost thrown it in people's faces. And, you know, to the point of, yeah, but I didn't get a chance to fight. And I'm a fight. And anytime you want to fight, let's fight. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But don't get me wrong. I am the boss when it comes to this place. I have been that guy. I have main evented, you know, whatever. Um, because I think ultimately that would all that would kind of put him in one of those quasi good guy, bad guy roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would work for him. And I don't mind him being in that middle of the road kind of thing. I think that's probably where he belongs. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, uh, I, I was an Ambrose fan when he was at WWE, so I was cool with him being a good guy. But I liked him better as a bad guy there because what he was doing was actually really, really good, and he was putting over a whole lot of great talent. Um, but now that he's back to Moxley, I can't see Moxley, the, the character, as a good guy. It's got to be no. in the middle. It's got to be that yeah. I don't like anybody kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't have to be quite as extreme as Austin. Right. But that's, to me, where he should be He should be at. So then we go to Cody and Matt Nix, basically a local guy. Cody beats Matt Nix with a figure four. How cool is that to see a figure four in the match? Yeah. I kind of yeah. dug that. I kind of dug it. Um, but then the Butcher and the Blade come out and attack Cody. This is where, and for me, this is splitting hairs. I am tired of them doing debuts where we don't know who these people are. Yeah, but that, that's the joy of this. Because, again, so we've had this discussion. Yeah. I think we've had it on air and we've had it off air. Mm-hmm. Right? The world is big, right? Yeah. And so I kind of know who these guys are because I think they were in impact just a little there at the end or something. Yeah, they were. uh, uh, Stutter, is that how you say his name? Uh, Braxton Sutter. Sutter, yeah. Yeah. I know he was in impact, but I think they were a tag team there towards the end or something of their run. So, but when they showed up, I was like, wait a second, who are these guys? And right. at first, I, my mind went ex- directly to Marty. Right? Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Now, that would have been cool. Right. would have been popping for that huge. Yeah, but, I mean, again, that's, that, that's what they've said all along. Like, you've only seen a portion of their uh, roster. Right. And... We've had the discussion, and you know my feelings. I hate online where, oh, my God, Randy Orton's contract's up. Ooh, let's get him in AEW. Yeah, yeah. I don't want Randy Orton in AEW. I want the Butcher and the Blade in AEW. I want guys that have been tearing it up on the indies, making a name for themselves on the indies. That's who I want in AEW. Right. I'm glad I don't know or wasn't familiar enough with these people 
when they popped out to be like, oh, that's so-and-so. Because I can, I, I, I'll be perfectly honest, when that, when the, the mat dropped, that little square dropped, and the first head poked up, I was like, whoa, what is this? Right. Right? Because I I, I'm not familiar enough with them to recognize them by face. I'm familiar enough to recognize them by name. Mm-hmm. And then they pop up, and I'm listening to the audio, too, trying to figure out who they are. JR seems as lost as I am. Well, and that, and he says on Twitter later that that was the point. But right. I'm like, okay, look, I get it to an extent. Like, I'm with you. I have no problem with them being relative unknowns, at least to my to my eye, right? My issue is more along the lines of at least someone should be in the know. Well, uh, Excalibur was. So did he or did he not call him the Butcher and the Blade? Yes, Excalibur called him Butcher and the Blade. Okay, so I must have missed him saying it because I did not hear him say it. And that was the point about that Jr. was making on Twitter. Right, that he wasn't supposed to know. Right, right. right. Jr. wasn't supposed to know. And then they, people were like, well, why did Excalibur know? Well, maybe Excalibur knew because just like when we commentate, I profess to know things that the bad guys are doing right that y'all are bewildered about that's why again i get to wear the proverbial rolex watch that somebody's bought for me because we, go out, be my we, watch. we discuss things we <laughs> i'm hanging out with the bad guys i'm learning you know yeah and that's, that, right. that's fine. I mean, that makes sense to me. If if he's up to speed in that regard, I just completely missed it. Yeah, and, and that's why, again, that little, I guess that little part really got me, it, it got me paying attention again. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't draw me all the way back because I'm, I'm perfectly honest. I was like floored. I was like, whoa, who are these guys? And then... JR seems lost, and I'm like, well, if JR's lost and I'm lost, this is this is good. Right. Because this is what it should be. All the you know, if you have three announcers and there's a big surprise, and all three of them know the surprise is coming, well, then that's not a surprise. Right, right. So Rob, do you I, have I a mean, take on that? Well, I mean, I just I just feel like everybody new comes in and beats down Cody. You know, it's like that's a good observation. Is Cody the whipping boy? <laughs> it's like, it's like I know everybody. You know, they have that saying of like, all right, if you're going to come in, you got to take down the biggest dog in the fight. But then it's like, couldn't they beat down someone else? You know, like yeah, Cody's got some crap ass luck. Well, <laughs> I mean, he can't. Buy I mean, it. I agree with not knowing who people are. You know, I like I like the the sudden jump and run ins, but I also like the ones where they pre- the preview people for you know a week like, or who was that? You know, like the 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 logo comes up on the screen, and then everyone's like, "What was that? Who was that?" You know, right? And they lead it, they build it for a little while. I mean, I understand the le- the run ins, but it's like it seems like that's how they're debuting everyone. Everyone's getting a run in, you know. Well, and I think it's more along the lines, and, and 
Brian, you can let me know if I'm off on this, but it's also a, a familiarity thing. So what we're used to when it comes to debuts is either A, vignettes, or B, it's, like you said, the teaser logo or something that hints it and hints it and hints it and pounds it into your head, something is coming. So yeah, the surprise is really not really the surprise. The WWE doesn't really rely on the vignettes anymore either. Right. Right? So, uh, I mean, it was, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, NXT, AJ Styles is there, uh, Gallows is there, Anderson is there, and, oh, by the way, here he comes, Finn Balor. Right, right. right? There was no buildup. They they were That's just true. there. And I I don't I can't remember the last time um uh, that we actually had somebody that was debuted on vignettes. Um I mean y'all can with this. Who? AOP when they brought him back. Um, I guess that AOP could be the closest the thing, yeah. Thing like for the week, they did that for a couple of weeks, sitting there talking, and then. Uh, um. Now they're yeah, uh, Seth yeah. Rollins' uh, guys. <laughs> uh, don't get me started on that one. So, <laughs> wasn't wasn't your favorite choice? Uh, I think that was absolutely the dumbest thing I've seen on Raw or SmackDown in some time. Did it feel like to you, I know we're jumping off topic, but did it feel like to you that they were only doing this because the fans have begged to turn them bad? No. Uh, I, I I think this has probably been the plan. You, you know, maybe they think they need... Because, I mean, to me, okay, so he's your best, he's your, you know, your best good guy up to this point, I would Mm say. Right. But he's probably a better bad guy. And you have passable good guys. So, uh, you know, look at Randy. Randy is, uh, he he, he is like flip-flopping all the time, depending on who you put him against. Yeah, that was... I don't understand what they're doing with that either. Uh, now Randy, I guess, is a good guy? Uh, well, see, that's what I'm saying. He, he might be. And then he needs to go be. away. Uh, I And Kevin Owens, I think Kevin was a good guy. And if you're going to make the, make the choice... Um, I think you have to go with Rollins as a bad guy because I think Owens is a better good guy than Rollins is. Well, and and that's like, and I, don't get me wrong, I was okay with Rollins turning. Fine, you know, whatever. He's getting booed. But okay, let, let's let's finish with AEW first. Uh, you're right. right. We, we don't want to get too off track. Uh, Kenny Omega versus Pac. I have a very embarrassing admission to make, and that's that I missed this match completely. And I hate that because I understand this was almost better than their last match. And that really grinds my gears that I missed it. Well, I mean, it's not too hard. <laughs> you should be able to go back and rewatch it. 
Oh, you know what though? You you mentioned it earlier, and and we had one of our oh, guys in the going back to watch it. Yeah, it's just the God. There's so much. Like I watch NWA, I watch AEW, I watch as much as I can watch, but getting the time to find the chance to pull it back up, it's the same reason I haven't finished all of Takeover. It's just there's so much, and I don't know that I'd ever really be able to get completely caught up. Uh, yeah, I I mean, again, whatever crowd didn't get reinvested when uh, the Butcher and the Blade showed up, mm-hmm. uh, they definitely got back into it with Omega and Pac. Um, although, I don't know if I was quite ready for round number two. I think I could have done without until a pay-per-view. So, I do have a question for you on that. Is it too, Was it too soon to have Omega get back on a winning streak? No. Uh, so, I love what they're doing with Pac. Mm-hmm. Right? I love the fact that when he came back, you know, they touted his winning streak and what was it? They said he hadn't been pinned. His shoulders had been pinned in like 10 years or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, I love that they did that. Uh, kind of sets them apart. Uh, I mean, you've heard me say it. You've heard other people say it. It's no secret that Kenny Omega is thought to be, you know, the best on the planet today. So why wouldn't he be on a winning streak? Yeah, he I mean, should be on that winning streak. I I felt like, and and this is only because I am loving Pax Rise to the Top. I really am because he it doesn't he, he's the first character in my opinion since maybe the Fiend that doesn't it doesn't matter if he's good or bad. It just doesn't matter. He can just flat out go. He can deliver, and it doesn't matter who he fights. It doesn't matter what kind of match. I mean, I have yet to see him do something in a, in a wrestling ring there. I was like, he, he should never do that again. Like he's choking people out. He's a high flyer. I mean, this he could, I think, in a New Japan environment, he could rival Kenny Omega. Well, I think he'll rival, rival Kenny Omega here. Yeah. Um, because they're building him to be that type of competitor mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying the next wave of, of whoever gets that title next I mean look at who they're going to have to deal with either yeah. Omega or Pac or Moxley and those three are I mean they're kicking clicking on all cylinders right now so the diamond dozen ring the battle royal now I did have to go back and watch this battle royal um, to which I say, Billy Gunn can still go. I know we didn't talk about AEW last week because we weren't on. I just wanted to point that out. Billy Gunn still has it. Still, in my opinion, one of those big missed opportunities is Billy Gunn. He could have been a world champ. Um, but anyway, the for the Diamond Dozen ring, it was it was MJF and, and Adam Page. I still feel like Adam Page is getting the short end of the stick, and I wonder how much longer they're going to do this to him till he finally either snaps or they just turn it and give him a 
give him a win streak. But MJF wins the ring. Is there a special stipulation to the Diamond Dozen ring? Like the Money in the Bank or anything? Um, so I'm not sure, but I know that it, there was talk on Twitter, I think it was, mm-hmm. on this message board or whatever group I belong to, that um, if there, if, that there could be the stipulation that whoever holds the ring, much like Money in the Bank, has a shot at getting the title and that, you know, they were speculating that maybe Cody would get the ring from MJF and hence would then be allowed to get himself a title shot. I think if we, I think Cody is eventually going to get the title, but I think it's going to be because MJF has the title. I get yeah. the feeling they're going to keep those guys away from each other. Like as much as possible, which I'm okay with. I want to see how that plays out, but I, oh, oh yeah. Also, Wardlow, all that build up. He's a muscle guy. He's just the bat, the bodyguard. Well, yeah, for now. Wait, but wait till he decides not to put up with MJF anymore. Till he snaps on MJF. Yeah. All right, I mean, well, don't they all? Cool. That's true. That's true. it's gonna happen. It's just like. I don't know. <laughs> we built you up, and you're the bodyguard. <laughs> don't. <laughs> um, Dustin Rhodes and the Bucks against Proud and Powerful, and Sammy. Ga- Proud, powerful. Ortiz and Santana and Sammy Guevara. Proud yeah, please. Let's, <laughs> and the Proud Powerful just sounds so bad. More like poor and pitiful. Come on, cut it out. Stupid ass name. Uh, this match went quick. Um. And we end up seeing uh, what appears to be a continuing bond of the Rhodes and the and the uh, Bucks, it just uniting, staying staying on the up and up. And then Jake Hager gets gets involved. I mean, it's a it's a brawl. It's like all this garbage is going on, and, and not not garbage in a bad way. Just stuff happening all over the place. Um, I mean, there's even a point where Rhodes. Gets uh, gets decked down by uh, Guevara, and then he turns and hits Guevara with the with the cast, and it looked like Guevara went like fifty feet in the air when he got smacked with it. I mean, these guys are bumping all over the place, beating the crap out of each other. Um, I just maybe it's because we're fresh off of War Games, but I want to see the cage. I want to see AEW's cage match. Well, the question would be is if they have some weird if they change it or if it's a conventional cage match it'd be a monster's ball <laughs> yeah, you never know I'd be, okay I'd be okay with that um then we get to this is where i am glad that it sucked me in but it also pissed me off jericho and scorpio sky great matchup between these two if anything, this matchup should tell fans that had questions about Chris Jericho that he is still very, very capable of going with the best in the business, period. Um, and this match was great. I was so wrapped up in it, though, that I was pissed off when Sky lost. <clears throat> and I'm like, you know what? As much as it makes me mad, because I admit it, it did. I'm like, man, you built this so well. I was like, ah, you know what? They got me again. Because 
I'm bought in. I want to see him lose it. And that just speaks more to the ability of Jericho and Scorpio Sky for delivering a really great match. Yeah, and at the end of the day, isn't that what they're supposed to do? Absolutely. Make you buy into something? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, it's one of those... uh, I think, actually, that could be a Daniel Bryan kind of moment for Scorpio Sky. If you do it right. Oh, I I think they probably will. I mean, it's hard to say how much longer Daniels has left. Yeah. Um, and Kazarian know. doesn't seem like he's really positioned that way. Yeah. Uh, so it's good to know that if they were to split, he could still make a – he could still be a single star. But we did end up finding out, and we haven't talked much about uh, the way this is laid out so far, but AEW just recently debuted their rankings, and that's how we're going to close out tonight. We're going to talk about how AEW – uh, ended their show. So Jericho successfully retains the championship against Scorpio Sky as he's about to go ahead and, and put the boots back to Scorpio Sky. Out comes John Moxley, and we get the stare down between Moxley and Jericho as Moxley makes his way to the ring, and that's how it ends. It's one of those, we gotta go kind of moments. So we never really find out how that confrontation went from there. I'll be the first one to say it. Is it too soon to put this match into, into effect? No, I, that, that's what you have rankings for, right? Yeah, and Moxley is the number one contender. As of this week, he's 3-0-1, and and which yeah. I didn't. I don't remember him having the draw, but I, that's right, it was against Pac. Never mind. Um, so it makes sense. He's the number one contender. He's the number one in the rankings. So I'm okay with that. But now if you beat Moxley, just how big of a person do you have to be to beat Jericho at that point? Because I kind of feel like that's what's going to happen. I think he's going to beat Moxley. Yeah, but so even if he does, right? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, think about all the different stuff that's going on here. Right, so he beats Moxley, okay? Mm-hmm. God, everybody's looking around. Well, who's, who's he going to beat next? Well, he hadn't faced Pac yet. Right. He hadn't faced Omega yet. And let's say he makes it through both of them. God, man, he's nobody can beat Jericho, right? Mm-hmm. And on the same, on a different side of the same coin, you have Cody Rhodes, right? Mm-hmm. Running a parallel path. And you're not paying attention because, again, he's not allowed to fight for that title anymore. Not the next pay-per-view because they're, they're doing quarterly pay-per-views according to them, Right. Right. So not not the first pay-per-view, but maybe that pay-per-view in the summer leading up to that, that month leading into it, Cody's done figured a way to get to that title again. And maybe that's, that's when it switches hands. And you can't tell me 
that that's not going to be just an awesome moment for Cody, for Jericho, for AEW, and all the fans. Because something tells me that although we will have seen this type of buildup multiple times before, there's going to be something that makes you buy into it. That makes you become invested one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be done in such a way that it's just going to... Again, so they're starting to build both companies. NXT and AEW are building fans, right? Give them six months. They might be over a million. And man, now we have this ultimate showdown. Cody Rhodes... Chris Jericho, maybe MJF, throw it in there, just big triple threat match. And it's done in such a way the crowd, you know, the, the crowd eats it up and everybody goes home happy. I'd say that that's probably the smartest description I've heard of it yet. Um, I'm definitely okay with, with Cody Rhodes being AEW champion. I think those that have... You know, the, there have been those on on social media that have said that that would be selfish of him, but I think it's actually smart, being that the, as big of a star as he is. Rob, do you think when it comes to a guy like Cody, that him becoming champion is is beneficial? Well, I mean, I think Cody has aligned himself that he doesn't need a belt to define who he is. Right. It just is icing on the cake, you know. And it's 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 like Brian was saying, like we all know it's going to happen. You know, how are they going to build it up? How are they going to do it? But we all know eventually he's going to get the belt. And I think when he gets the belt, he's going to keep the belt. I'm thinking you're I'm I'm thinking you're going to see a flare like run when Cody gets the belt. You know, and I so, would definitely be okay with that. You know, so building up as many people before then. You know, because what it's what it looks like they're to me they're building up, they're using Jericho to take them to a to a to a place, but along the way they're building up all these other stars that when Cody gets there, yeah, these are the people that are going to be knocking on the door. I think when it comes down to it, what we're seeing right now out of wrestling is that. AEW is not necessarily redefining or reinventing anything, but what they are doing is is reestablishing the importance of some of the fundamentals, the win-loss record, the importance of a win streak and a losing streak, the importance of more of an organic development of a superstar and not forcing the issue. Like, they could have very easily forced the issue with Adam Page. As much as I wanted to see Page win the title from Jericho, they could have just said, let's do it right now, right from jump, instead of making his journey have meaning, which is where WWE has fallen short for a long, long time. And I think AEW has done a great job of just reestablishing some of these things that wrestling fans have just been saying, hey, why don't we see this? Why don't we have that? And I think it's just made a lot better sense now. Well, and I also think that you look at it, and if they'd have put the title on Cody from, from the get-go, you wouldn't have. There would be no chase. There would be no fight. There would be no desire right. of all right. Where is it going to go next? Right. Because if Cody would have beat Jericho, 
then Cody would have been on it, and it'd have been like, "Ha ha, this is what I got," you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, to me, that might have been selfish. If he gets it, his first shot that that would have been selfish. I mean, like if you'd have taken all the belts, you know, and done what other places have done before, you know. Whoever has the book has the belt kind of thing. Right. You know, and if you'd have put from jump, you'd have put the belt on Cody, the belt on uh, the Bucks, you know, then where's the draw, you know? You know, the draw's not there. The buildup's not there. Right. You know, you've got the draw on other teams now, and you know eventually the Bucks are going to say, you know what, it's our turn. You know, and it's eventually you're going to see Cody go, you know what? It's my turn. You know what? Yeah. I'm tired of playing. I'm tired of getting stitches. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of stitches, that damn cut over his eye. Yeah, that was pretty ridiculous. Seeing him go head first into the into the ground as he you know, goes for the suicide dive on Jericho. And then to see just the scar that he has now is just like, Damn, it's like somebody took a fish hook and just dragged it across his eye. Well, it'll be interesting to see if at the next pay-per-view, if their ramp is made out of diamond plate. Right, that's a good point. Diamond plate is built to last (laughs) and tear up things. Definitely built to tear up your face. (laughs) And so that is where we're going (laughs) to, that's where we're going to leave it this week we're gonna leave it yep. as we heard the whispers it's time to go that's right i'm getting beat up stuff getting done it's out of hand dogs and cats living together guinea pigs screaming at each other you got to find something else <laughs> so rob where do they catch up with you on social media good sir facebook is rob hefner twitter is our rob hefner c2c there you go that's it and then, of course, he's on the Instagram at RDHUWP. Brian's at STRCP21 on Twitter. Brian Taylor on the Facebook. And you can catch up with the show at C2C Radio Show on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, the ra- C2C of course, for the website. As, hey, by the way, don't forget, we've got NWA every week available for you there. Don't forget to check that out. Send them your feedback. They're still loving all the feedback they put at the beginning of every show open. Uh, And then, of course, you can catch up with the breaking news there. We've got all of our archives up and moving. And, hey, that's going to do it for us here over at Corner to Corner. We will see you next week. Have a great week, everybody. It's the most wonderful time of the year. That means it's almost Christmas. Yeah, but you all gotta buy me something. That's right, you can send all gifts. Go to my Facebook page, you'll see my Christmas. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.